Welcome to this week's edition of Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Influential people, high-performing organizations, creating a culture of success. And now your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to our special Father's Day edition of Leading the Way. I'm Scott Murray, and... And I'm Angel Carlton. Great to have you along. I can't say Happy Father's Day, but... Well, I can say Happy Father's Day to you, Scott. <laughs> right. How's that for yeah. a setup, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks and for being... And all the dads out yeah, there, for, for that sure. matter. No question. Thanks for being a part of our uh, our special show today. And as uh, Angel said, Happy Father's Day to all the dads in our audience listening today. And thanks to our presenting partner, I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, of which uh, my co-host Angel is a director. Yeah, uh, real quick, the uh, Institute for Corporate Productivity is a human capital research firm. We discover the people practices of high-performing organizations. We study things like agility, collaboration, talent acquisition, innovation, and so much more. So if you'd like to check out some of our free we- research... Go to our website at i4cp.com. I4CP, getting it done, and we thank them as we always do. Hey, how about your dad, Angel? Played a pretty special role in your life growing up? My dad is my rock. He is the source of joy in my life, and he always has been. We have one of those really special father-daughter relationships. And And still uh, is to this day, because you told me before the show you're going to actually go visit him. I am excited. I'm going to Florida to see him. And, uh, yeah, he's my go-to guy whenever I need advice or uh, just to listen or input on anything. Nice to have a dad like that. Yeah, I was real fortunate. My parents divorced when I was two, and I actually grew up with two dads. So uh, as our topic today is kind of uh, the absenteeism of uh, fathers, um, I was one of those lucky girls. I always felt very fortunate. And so I have to to honor my stepdad, too, even though he passed away a few years ago. Two dads for the price of one. Yeah. So happy Father's Day, Dad. Very nice. And I know how special my dad was in my life. He uh, actually passed away about 10 years ago, but still remains a very special part. He was my mentor. He was my hero. He was my role model. And although he's now gone, he'll be with me the rest of my life, literally. And I'm Sure, you feel much the same way as you just mentioned. But we are indeed lucky. Fatherhood in America is uh, not, unfortunately, what it was when I was a kid growing up. 24 million children in the United States are living without their biological father in their home on a daily basis. 24 million. That, my friends, is three times the number of people in the city of New York. Being a father carries with it great responsibility, accountability, and amenability. And today, since it is Father's Day, a holiday that was first celebrated, Here in the United States in July of 1910, over 100 years ago, and became a permanent holiday on the third Sunday of June back in 72, we thought we'd focus on this special holiday and all that it means and all that it stands for. And to do so, we're delighted to welcome the president of the National Fatherhood Institute, an organization that was founded in 1994 as a way of creating sustainable fatherhood programs and initiatives working with community, corrections, military organizations, and government agencies. And research, my friends, has shown that children living in father-absent homes are more likely to suffer negative outcomes across a plethora of child well-being measures, an issue that continues to grow instead of diminishing. And with us is the president of the National Fatherhood Institute, Chris Brown. Chris, happy Father's Day. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. Uh, fine. Uh, hi, Scott and Angel. Uh, Scott, happy Father's Day to you as well. I know that you have a uh, children of your own, and uh, uh, you know, your, your role in their lives is certainly to be celebrated. Well, thanks much, and I, and I know much the same to you. I actually work with my son, so that's, uh, that's very, very special. And uh, my daughter is a, is a uh, hardworking young lady in the city of New York, and uh, so uh, I miss her on this Father's Day, but uh, it's, it's, it's great to, to be a dad. I, it really is the ultimate. So, uh, so thank you for being here. We've got lots of questions to share with you, uh, Chris. But first of all, I want to move on with our program. And, and for those that normally are, are listeners to Leading the Way on a weekly basis, you're well aware of the fact that this is about the time that we usually spend time on our lightning round segment. But today, we're going to shift gears, so to speak. Welcome a dear friend and one of the greatest players in the history of the National Football League. I'm talking about Tim Brown, the first wide receiver in the history of football to win the Heisman Trophy while playing his collegiate football back at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. And from there, it was on to the National Football League out west in California with the Oakland Raiders and then a short stint in Tampa Bay before heading to Canton, Ohio, where he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And yet today, we've invited Tim to join us because he gets it when he comes to being a a good dad. Tim grew up in a family of six and now has a family of six, four children of his own, 
and his incredible wife, Sharice, uh, special people. And back in 2011, and this certainly fits as well on this Father's Day, he was honored as Father of the Year here in Texas. So he's uh, also the author of a book entitled The Making of a Man, How Men and Boys Honor God and Live with Integrity. So Tim Brown, welcome and happy Father's Day. Hello, Tim. Hey, thank you very much, Scott. Good to be here with you. Hey, Angie, how are you? My Good. pleasure. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Well, Angel and I are, are really excited about uh, what lies ahead. And uh, any other thoughts is before we get to these two guys and talk about being a father and being a good one at that? Oh, well, I've I've researched a little bit about our guest today, and uh, I'm really excited. Well, I tell you what, Angel, let's uh, let's go ahead. Uh, let's ask them both. What makes a good dad? Chris, when I say to you, what makes a good dad? What comes to mind? Well, Scott, really there are uh, five characteristics that, that, that make a really effective father. And, and just so your audience knows, I'm an anthropologist by training, and I've studied masculinity and, and fatherhood cross-culturally. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've come to learn and research shows is, is that regardless of who a child is, they need the same thing from their father, regardless of where they live, what, what culture they grew up in, uh, what community they live in, they need the same thing. And those are uh, they need a dad who's, first of all, self-aware. Uh, self-aware of himself as a father and a man, how good or not good a father and a man he is, uh, but also an awareness that, that he needs to continually learn and continually improve and grow as a father and a man. Uh, the second thing is caring for himself. So we as men, generally speaking, don't take as good our care of ourselves as women do. Uh, healthcare statistics show this. And so, uh, you know, it's important that we uh, care for our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health uh, so that we can be as good a dad and, and, and husband and partner uh, as we possibly can be, uh, not just for the present uh, as our children grow and as we raise our children, but you know, to see our children grow into ad adults and, and to be there for their kids eventually. So it's important that we care for ourselves. Uh, the third is we have to have effective fathering skills. So there are uh, unique gifts that dads and moms bring to the parenting equation. That's why kids benefit so much from having a mom and dad uh, to grow up with. And so um, there are certain things that, that research shows that dads are very, very good at doing when it comes to raising their children. Uh, the fourth thing is they, they need to develop good parenting skills. So these are things that regardless of whether you're a dad or a mom, you need to be effective at, and that is things such as learning how to effectively discipline your children. And for dads in particular, understanding the difference between discipline and punishment, they're not one and the same. Uh, and then finally, we have to have good relationship skills. So we need to learn skills for developing healthy, positive relationships, not just with our children, but with the mothers of our children and in our community. Because as men, as dads, we want to be good role models, not just for our kids, but for other dads in the community, because that's how we as humans learn, right, is by observing the behavior of other people. And so when we have more and more good dads behaving as good dads do, it helps create even more good debts. Makes sense. How about you, Tim? Um, you're the father of four. What uh, What are some of the things? And maybe uh, you've, you've you've got uh, you know just the analogy that you make between playing football. We've talked about this in the past, but in being a good dad as as well. What uh, What comes to mind? Well, first of all, there's no no fair going after Chris, you know, because he, he, well, he you got that right. You got that right. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, real simple, simple, uh, simple for me. You know, I I think you know what what I've tried to do is be the best spiritual father I could be, uh, knowing and believing that if I can be. Uh, if spiritually I can be on point, then it will help me be on point uh, naturally as a father. So, uh, so for me, that has been you know my guidepost. That has been let me do everything I'm supposed to do right spiritually, and that should you know through prayer or through guidance through whatever, uh, that should help me be the best father that I could possibly be. And you know from a natural point of view, you know I, I think the one thing that I try and do as much as I can is it's have communication with my kids. Uh, you know, I think that is the most important thing. They are young. They're going through these impressionable years. Things are happening. We moved our kids from one of the smaller private schools in, in Dallas to 
the probably the biggest all boy all girl private schools in Dallas, and um, and it was really important for us to communicate with them to make sure that they were adjusting and and all those kind of things. So um, I have a 19 year old daughter who's in college in L.A. and obviously you know you know college life is college life, and so you know we have to be on top of everything that's happened with her. And you know my oldest son who is a nurse at Children's Hospital here in Dallas probably needs the most counseling of everybody because you know <laughs> at that age and. You get a little money in your pocket, you think you know a little bit more than what you really know. So, uh, you know, so I, I think for me, you know, I, I want to be in communication with, with my kids. And I believe by uh, by doing that, it, it really helps uh, me be a better father and, and help, uh, help, help, helps them to, to get through life. Well, I tell you what, uh, we're going to spend some time here uh, this hour with, with Chris talking about the National Fatherhood Initiative. But I thought it would be fun to have you on the air because you are – not only a pro football Hall of Famer when it comes to football, but you won the Heisman Trophy, but you also were named a Father of the Year. So before we take a break and we let you go, Tim, what I'd like to do is say thank you for stopping by and finding time on this Father's Day to join us. But also, I want to give you a, a little opportunity to share with the audience The Making of a Man, your book that reveals how faith and family and honor and integrity have everything to do with true manhood and a, really a life well lived by a man. So what would you share with us before we take a break? What, what comes to mind and, and why people should get a copy of your book and, the, and read it, The Making of a Man? Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, even though the title is, uh, you know, how men and boys honor God and live with integrity. You know, it, it's not a how-to book. It's not like Tim Brown is sitting on top of the the roof and pointing down his fingers, uh, saying, "This is what you should do." You know, that, it, right. it's not. That's not uh, uh, how we we wrote the book. And uh, and basically, what I, I'm trying to do is, I'm taking life lessons uh, from things that I went through. I get into really. You know, not graphic details, but we get in deep details about some of the things that I I experienced in my life, and and how I was able to 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 maneuver around those things. But um, and you know, and we use all uh, we take all these things and we try to attach some biblical principle to them uh, in order to uh, to help people to understand. Um, you know, I, I do a thing now on Twitter and Facebook where I don't you know I don't preach to people. I just ask people to read the Bible. You know, just read the Bible, and and that's all that I'm trying to do. Really, in this book, is trying to point people uh, to to biblical passages that they can go to and and lean on when they need to lean on them. Because we all have moments of weakness. We all have moments that we have to deal with things that are that are, that are seemingly overwhelming. Um, and sometimes, just hearing your pastor say it's going to be okay, you know, or reading in a passage in the, in, the, in the Bible that you know that God is always here for us you know, can be that thing to get you through that time and uh, and keep you in a very uh, positive uh, 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 mind frame. So um, so that that's what the book is all about. Yeah, I, I talk about my football life. I, I talk about all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, what we're trying to get men to understand that is um, this, this life we leave, there, there will be a legacy. When you, when you close your eyes for the last time, people are going to say something about you. And and you want that to be as positive as possible, um, if, if you can. And, and I believe, and, you know, from, from from the way I've lived my life and and how I've been brought up, that it's almost impossible to do that without some kind of spiritual uh, background. Yeah, you know what? I totally agree, and I really uh, admire you, especially being a professional athlete. Uh, I had uh, the experience of being a professional cheerleader for the Chicago Bulls way back when. So I was around that Whoa. culture. And I, and so I, I have to believe that professional athletes probably have more temptation than the average guy. And so, you know, and, you know, Scott explained what a true manhood is based on the premise of your book. And I think a lot of pro professional athletes have other ideas of what true manhood is. And so how, mm -hmm. how have you influenced some of maybe some of your teammates in the past or um, maybe some athletes? Well, that, you know, Angel, that was the, that was the uh, very interesting thing about uh, my career. You know, I had planned to play 10 years and uh, until I was 30 actually, which would have been, you know, eight, eight years. And then I was going to move on with life. And, you know, at, at age 30, I had my best year in the league. And uh, it's also was around the time that I started to, you know, uh, go from a natural man to a spiritual man as much as I possibly could. And I realized that, 
you know, God was putting me in these situations for a reason. And, uh, you know, I hadn't always been the man that I am today. I, I had my day in L.A., I can tell you that. There's no doubt about it. But now I was able to reflect on those days. And when guys came to me and said, Tim, man, how do you do this? And how do you – Jerry Rice, when he came over, he said to me, Tim, how in the world do you deal with this, man? You know, uh, and and I had an opportunity to, to witness the Jerry Rice in the middle of a football field and practice, you know, one day. So, I mean, you know, and I think God just put me in the, in this, uh, in, in this place for a reason. And now, and even now, you know, with the hall of fame and all, it's just another platform that I can stand on and be able to tell men that, you know, God has us here for a reason. And it's not just to play football. Cause guess what? We don't play football for the rest of our lives. You know, we, we get to play it for, for a certain period of time in our lives. And if you're lucky, you know, you get to play 17 years. Most guys don't get to play five. Yep. Um, so there's a there's a life we have to lead uh, lead uh, uh, afterwards. And um, you know, uh, God wants that life to be for Him. Yeah, and and great self awareness on your part. Going back to what Chris was saying about that self awareness to really recognize the reason why things are happening in your life. Absolutely. And that was to make you a stronger Absolutely. man. Love yeah, it. Yeah, he's he's awesome. a good one. He's a good one. You know, for 30-plus years, I, I covered uh, covered athletes as, a, as a, a sports anchor on television, and uh, I could count on one hand the, the guys that uh, have the integrity of, of Tim Brown. So, Tim, you're a dear friend and a, and a good man and a role model to us all. Keep up the great work. And, hey, folks, the name of the book, The Making of a Man. Thank you much. Our best to Sharice and uh, you and the family. Enjoy, uh, enjoy Father's Day. Hey, thanks for luck. Scott, uh, uh, I appreciate that. Chris, man, have a great one. And Angel, looking forward to meeting you in person one day. Yes, yeah. likewise. Happy Father's you Day to you. Keep up the good work. Happy Father's Day. Take care. All right, and we're back Thank with Chris Brown. Yep, we're back with Chris Brown, president of the National Fatherhood Initiative, right after this. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CDP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. Leading the way. And now it's back about to influential lead leaders in the business companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate And now, back to Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Here's Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Welcome back to Leading the Way on this Father's Day, our special edition. And again, we wish all our dads in the audience a happy Father's Day as we continue here with uh, the program. Yes, and happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, we're going to kick things off here. Our special guest continues to hold on. We said goodbye to Tim Brown, Pro Football Hall of Famer and a Father of the Year here in the great state of Texas. And also with us, Chris Brown, President, National Fatherhood Initiative. And Chris, uh, your uh, your thoughts on what, uh, what Tim just had to say about uh, his book and the making of a man and just how he has tried to focus on, uh, on his responsibility and here the, the wonderful privilege of, uh, of being a dad. What would you think? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, in fact, you know, I read uh, Tim's book uh, shortly after it came out. Uh, he and I have a, a mutual friend who sent it to me uh, because she uh, knew what I did uh, nationally around the fatherhood issue. And, uh, you know, he just uh, he writes a very good book that I, I definitely encourage everyone uh, who's listening today to, to get hold of uh, because it, it focuses on, on the importance of being a good man. Uh, before you can be a good father. That's a, that's a very, very important message. And, and secondly, that, uh, you know, he talks about fathers leading their children. And I think that's also a very important uh, principle, actually, of, of good fatherhood, because uh, uh, children are, in a sense, disciples of their dads. 
Uh, and so they learn from us. And so we have to understand the important role that we play as teachers and guiders of our children. So uh, Tim's just a fantastic guy and uh, uh, just so happy that he wrote uh, this book that's, uh, that's helping so many people. Well, there's no question about that. We've got uh, just a, a plethora of questions, as they would say. So if you can keep your 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 responses brief, and because I, I I mean we could go from uh, from here till uh, <laughs> some some of the things we've got to share with you. So uh, so let's uh, let's start. We're just going to kind of alternate these with you. Uh, we're going to start off here, Chris, with uh, something about uh, just what you do on a daily basis. Uh, the National Fatherhood Institute, uh, really, the, our initiative. I mean. Has a, has a unique and effective business model, and you kind of referred to it somewhat a moment ago, but how do you as a nonprofit use it to affect the social change that you're really trying to do here in America? We already mentioned 24 million children without, uh, you know, without a dad in the home. I mean, that's just crazy. It is crazy. And so, you know, in order to have impact, I think it's really important for any social issue, and certainly this one, uh, to have a business model that can help you maximize impact and create the kind of social change that we want to see, which is more and more children growing up with involved, responsible and committed dads in their home. And so what we have done from a business model standpoint is understood that in order to have maximum impact, we needed to be a capacity builder rather than a direct service provider. And basically the difference there is that we build the capacity of direct service providers in communities across this country who are our partners and run our fatherhood programs, use our fatherhood resources to affect change at a very local macro level, uh, a micro level, uh, rather than us trying to set up shop in every community and provide those direct services ourselves, which would cost an inordinate amount of money to be able to do. So as a small organization with not a big budget, uh, and through this capacity building focus of ours, uh, we're able to affect change in thousands of lives in communities across the country. Oh, yeah, that's incredible collaboration happening right there for a great cause. Um, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about the background and maybe the evolution of the National Fatherhood Initiative and how how you became a business-to-business company rather than a business-to-consumer company? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad you use those terms because uh, we very much uh, run National Fatherhood Initiative as if it were a business. So regardless of whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit, you really have to have uh, an approach to uh, running an, an effective business. So uh, we were founded in 1994, as, as Scott mentioned earlier, and uh, we were founded primarily as a public advocacy and education organization. So for our first six years, which I like to call uh, uh, National Fatherhood Initiative 1.0, uh, we really focused on working uh, with Republicans and Democrats uh, at the federal level to get this issue on the nation's agenda. Uh, and uh, so we partnered with legislatures and then also legislators, and then also we partnered with the Ad Council, which many of your listeners may be aware of, uh, a great group uh, that uh, partners with uh, nonprofits and other advocacy organizations to uh, promote social change through uh, the use of, of mass media. Um, and so we partnered with them to run uh, what was and, and still is one of their most successful uh, campaigns ever. Uh, from about 1996 to 2006, it generated thousands and thousands of dollars and millions of dollars actually in donated uh, media uh, through television, radio, print, and, and eventually over the internet. Um, and, uh, but as we evolved, um, right around the year 2000, we recognized that there was a great need now that there was greater awareness about the importance of helping dads for high-quality, evidence-based, and evidence-informed resources, programs, and other resources that could be used in communities to actually work with people because they needed the tools. So just like any company discovers that there's a need that a product can solve, you know, and a, a, a pain point that it can address, we recognized that there was a dearth of these resources available, so we started to create those. So that's where we really became National Fatherhood Initiative 2.0. Uh, and so we started to uh, focus a bit on that capacity building effort. But like a lot of organizations, like a lot, lot of nonprofits, uh, Angel and Scott, um, we had a hard time saying no. <laughs> and so uh, for the next uh, you know, 10 years or so, we tried to be everything to everybody. We tried to be both a B2B company and a B2C company. But we realized eventually that we couldn't do both. So starting uh, toward the latter part of the last decade, we started to really uh, use a lot of strategic 
tools, strategy development tools that many in the business community are familiar with, such as uh, Michael Porter's Five Competitive Forces, the Blue Ocean Strategy, uh, and what's called the Coherence Premium, which focuses on uh, building core capabilities that you do very well and continuing to focus on those. And so through that process, we recognize that for us to have maximum impact, we couldn't be both a B2B and a B2C company. So we started to move away from trying to work with dads directly uh, and focus more effort on working with organizations as our primary customers. And that's really what we've been doing is kind of honing that business model uh, for about the last six or seven years. Let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, playing off what you said a, a few minutes ago, you talk about the fact that you're you're not just a, a nonprofit, but you run this like a business as well you should. I, I totally agree with you. And I've heard some other people that were really, really prominent uh, CEOs or presidents of, of major nonprofits, and they, they've said the same, do it, so do it. So, so how do you generate revenue or raise the funds as a nonprofit versus a for-profit organization or large company? Well, it, it really depends. Uh, in, uh, it depends on where you choose to play uh, and how you choose to win uh, in your particular market. Uh, I just finished reading a book that, uh, you know, if any of those of you in the audience are running nonprofits, I encourage you to, to reach it. It's called Engine of Impact, Engine of Impact. And it talks about the fact that, you know, re regardless of how you generate revenue, you've got to decide what is the best method of generating revenue or the best method business model to generate revenue. And basically, there are two kinds of choices. And sometimes you can do these in combination. You can kind of take the traditional approach that most nonprofits do, which is to raise money through grants, uh, let's say private grants from foundations, uh, government contracts, uh, for example, at the federal, state, and local level, uh, and through individual donations. Or you can choose to ra raise that money through sales, just like many for-profit businesses do. So um, as recently as um, 2008, uh, we generated 88% of our revenue through that former source. So uh, foundation grants, grants from government, uh, and also donations from individuals. But we eventually saw that that was going to be problematic, and I, we don't have time to, for me to share why we uh, came to that realization. But we realized we needed to start shifting that model for long-term sustainability and to have maximum impact. And so uh, today, uh, as of our most current fiscal year just completed, um, we ju that, that uh, revenue uh, split has sh uh, shifted completely. So we uh, generate about 87% of all of our revenue through uh, direct sales to organizations uh, that use our programs and services and through technical assistance and some other means. So we decided that in our situation, that was the best model for long-term sustainability and impact. But in some cases, the other model is better. It just depends on what issue you're focusing on and, and also what's the skill set of the people involved. Um, what I like to say about National Fatherhood Initiative is that uh, we are a product development and distribution company. Uh, and what we do is we help address people's pain points in this sense around effectively serving fathers. And there are very significant, very defined pain points for organizations and communities effectively working with dads. And we develop products and services that address those pain points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we're talking about pain points here, I know you've done, you do a lot of research as well. And as a research organization with I4CP, I'm really interested in hearing more about that because you can just watch the news and see that children that have an absent father is more likely to have behavioral problems and, and it's manifesting itself, you know, as, uh, you know, creating a violent world. Uh, so what type of research do you do and what are some of the most startling statistics that really inspire the work that you do? Absolutely. Well, um, uh, we have uh, for many years produced the seminal uh, a research publication on this issue. It's called Father Facts, and we're now in the seventh edition. We uh, issue a new edition about every two to three years, just depending on the amount of research that's come out since the last edition related to father absence and father involvement. Um, but um, this is a publication that's about 100 pages long. I mean, if you can believe that, decades and decades, Angel, of data on the consequences of father absence uh, and the benefits of father involvement. And so that's one of the things that uh, in our evolution we kind of shifted from was a focus almost exclusively on the consequences of father absence to raise that awareness 
rapidly about the importance of dads. But then we knew that we also had to talk about, well, what happens when a father is in the home? How do children benefit? And there's a ton of research that shows that as well. I love the positive Um, spin. That's great. It it is a positive spin. And so um, I I would say the, the one most disheartening piece of data is that children who grow up in uh, father-absent homes are more likely to commit suicide Mm. um, just to kill themselves. I mean, we've got all of these other issues that father-absence is related to in in a very negative way. But, you know, when you start to talk about a a child eventually taking, being more likely to take their life, uh, if they grow up in a father-absent home, that's very sobering. Yes, it is. Christopher Excuse me, Christopher Brown, President, National Fatherhood Initiative, is our special guest. We're going to be back with more of Leading the Way right after this. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. Leading the way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies, from Amazon to Boeing, and REI to 3M to not only discover the best people practices of high performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. And now back to Scott Murray and Angel Carlton and leading the way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Scott Murray along with Angel Carlton and Chris Brown, the president of the National Fatherhood Initiative, making a difference in the lives of uh, those families that uh, that need it most. We're talking about the 24 million, that's right, 24 million families just don't have a dad. That just, just, just I, When I hear that three times the population of New York City, that just blows me away, huh? That's startling. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Speaking it's of sad. startling it's statistics. Sad. Yeah, wow. It's sad. Well, let me ask you as we move on with our conversation here, Chris, parenting certainly one of the greatest forms of leadership is we as parents are responsible for literally the most important thing on the face of the earth, earth, and that's our that's our future. So raising responsible and kind children that grow up to contribute to society in some way is of the utmost importance. So my question is this. How does father absence impact our society, which, again, continues to grow? Absolutely. I mean, it, it impacts it in so many ways, Scott. Um, uh, you know, it... it, it when you look at almost any outcome for ch- children in terms of their well-being, uh, when children grow up in a father-absent home, uh, they are more likely to suffer from a range of social, emotional, and physical ills, and also financial ills. So they're more likely to grow up in poverty. Uh, and so it affects so many things, and yet we spend so many of our dollars, uh, federal government dollars, private dollars, trying to address the symptoms of father absence when we should be spending more money to address the root cause. So I'll just give you an example. Um, we were largely responsible for uh, creating uh, the first ever um, federal funding for responsible fatherhood and healthy marriage programs that the federal government instituted in 2006. 150, 100 million at that time, and it's, and it's uh, since raised to 150 million. 
but it's basically been maintained at that same level for many, many years. And if you think about our federal budget and the proportion that $150 million represents versus all of the money that we spend uh, addressing the consequences of father absence, which several years ago we did some research uh, uh, on that spending, and it was $100 billion, with a B, $100 billion to address the consequences of father absence. It's just, it's not even a drop in the bucket. And so we still, in terms of putting our dollars where our awareness is, we have a greater awareness about the importance of fathers and, and the consequences of father absence. Our elected officials have not done what they need to do uh, to as effectively uh, address this issue as possible. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's, that's quite an impact on mm-hmm. our society. But I have a quick question. What, what is the biggest reason for father's absence? Um, there are really three uh, primary drivers um, of father absence. So um, starting in 1960, we started to see a rapid rise in the proportion of children growing up with not just without a biological father, but uh, without a step uh, father or an adoptive father. So any kind of legal father. And so um, divorce was the primary driver for about the first 30 years. But since then, uh, two other uh, uh Factors have kind of taken over the mantle, if you will, of being the driver of father absence, and that is out of wedlock childbearing. So children who are born into homes where their parents were never married, and it's very likely in those homes that that children don't live with their fathers at all from the very beginning. Uh, And then also cohabitation. So uh, couples uh, living together, eventually having children, uh, uh, and that is a driver because children who grow up in a home with married, cohabiting parents as opposed to married parents are much more likely to see their fathers leave and become a, a father absent home than are children who grow up in a, in a home with their married parents. So those are the three three drivers. Wow, very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your products, your the training programs, and and how they help create a new mindset for fathers? Absolutely. Um, So as I mentioned at the outset, we train uh, organizations on how to implement our evidence-based program. So, uh, for example, we have the most widely used fatherhood program in the country called 24-7 Dad, Uh, and it comes in two versions, AM and PM. So the 24-7 Dad AM program is a very in-depth skill-building program that's great for fathers who just had no role model. They're kind of clueless about how to be good dads. And then the PM program is for dads who are pretty good dads already, but they have the awareness that they could be even better. And then oftentimes organizations will use both versions of the program where the dads will go through 24-7 Dad AM and they graduate and then go through 24-7 Dad PM. So these are what we call in-depth programs. So these are programs that typically take several months for dads to go through where they come together, many of them for the first time, in a very nurturing, safe space uh, to share with other dads and learn from other dads as well as train facilitators on our programs to learn what it means to be a dad who's available for his children 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, But then we also have a range of other what we call less intensive resources and materials because one of the things that we understand from a business perspective is that organizations have varying resources that they can put towards this work. And those resources basically fall into two buckets. One is funding, money, that they can dedicate to this work. And then secondly, staff time. So we have a range of resources that start at low intensity and move to higher intensity. And folks can kind of move up that scale as they commit more and more funding and staff time to do this work with fathers. Or if they already have those resources already, they can start with our high-intensity programs. But um, those resources together really focus on building self-awareness, uh, the importance of dads caring for themselves, uh, the, uh, building pr- what we call pro-fathering, uh, knowledge, attitudes, and skills, uh, parenting skills, and also relationship skills. Uh, and then we also have programs for moms. This is one of the things that our consumer, our customer research showed uh, many years ago was the importance of working with the moms as well as working with the dads to help moms understand, one, the importance of a dad's involvement, and then, two, uh, how do you effectively work with the dad to raise your children? And that's true whether you and dad are doing that as a married couple, a cohabiting couple, or as uh, never-married parents uh, trying to raise your children together. Wow. (laughs) So valuable. I could have used that, like, when I got married. (laughs) Um, 10 years ago, (laughs) huh? 
Well, let me tell you, let, let me ask you this, uh, Chris, in this technologically driven world, crazy as it might be, how are you using technology specifically to help sustain the messages that you wish to share on behalf of the uh, Fatherhood Initiative? Well, of course, we're using um, some of the most significant social media platforms, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter primarily, but also LinkedIn, because we are a B, to, uh, B company. Uh, we reach a lot of other organizations and, and, and even businesses in the for-profit world with our messages about the importance of, of father involvement and, and, and the consequences of father absence through LinkedIn. Uh, but also, uh, we uh, just uh, released last year the first of its kind a completely online fatherhood program called Fathering in 15. So this is a, a program that uh, organizations, their staff, but also dads themselves can access from any device, smartphone, laptop, tablet, desktop. Uh, and it can be used in many flexible ways because, as I mentioned earlier, we address pain points. And one of the most significant pain points is recruiting dads to participate in a fatherhood program, and then also retaining their participation over a period of months. Well, this particular program can be done by dads anywhere at any time. It can be self-paced. It can be used by a staff one-on-one, -on -one, such as when they go in a home and do a home visit with an expecting couple or a couple that's just had a child. Um, uh, it can also be used uh, as the foundation for a group-based program where dads come into a location and work together, uh, but also to supplement our group-based programs like 24-7 Dad. It is really taken off, and uh, it is solving pain points in a way that even we couldn't imagine. And so uh, I've actually been engaged in doing interviews with organizations that are using uh, this resource. Again, we're very focused on consumer feedback, customer feedback, to help us understand one are our products being used in a way that we intended them for, for them to use them, but also are they using them in novel ways, innovative ways that we never thought of that we can then share with others to increase the value proposition around that particular uh, product. So uh, we're very excited about this and we're thinking now that we may actually release uh, a similar program for moms, again, focused on uh, the importance of father involvement and, and effectively co-parenting with your dad. Unfortunately, dad. Chris, we've only got about a minute left, but I've got one more question. Uh, first of all, your website. What's your website? Uh, fatherhood.org. So just enter into any uh, search engine, fatherhood.org. That's easy uh, to remember. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Quick question. Like I said, I've got a minute, about a minute left. You were just talking about some of the things that you do, social media and what have you. Do you work with corporations and companies to provide these programs as a benefit? Uh, we do not. Um, uh, we experimented with that several years ago, and what we found is that companies will not provide the funding, adequate enough funding, from a benefits perspective to do that. It is, and I wish we had more time to talk about this, Scott and Angel, but uh, that, that in, in my nearly 20 years with National Fatherhood Initiative, that has been one of the failures that we've had uh, that has most um, negatively affected me from an emotional and spiritual perspective is the unwillingness of corporations uh, to understand when you help your father employees to be better dads, research shows us they are more effective in their roles, they're more likely to advance in their careers, and they're more likely to advance faster in their careers than dads who aren't involved. It, it, it's all about leadership. When you learn how to be a better leader in the home, you learn how to be a better leader uh, in, in the corporate world. Uh, Amen to I that. I just wish there was yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, more, and, more companies willing to do that. And, and, and I would think for Pete's sake, it's common sense. The company's going to benefit as well. Absolutely. Win-win. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, uh, we could go another hour or three. Uh, you have just been above and beyond, Chris. I can't thank you enough, but maybe more importantly, thanks for all you're do doing for, as the president of the National Fatherhood Initiative, to bring the awareness that you have certainly shared with us today about the importance of being a good dad. We just need more fathers, and we need to eradicate that 24 million that uh, live without a, without a dad here in the United States. That's crazy. But uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father's Day, happy Father's Day to you and, uh, and your family, and, and we're going to do this again. Thank you again, Chris. Likewise, Scott. Take care. Yes, thank you, and happy Father's Day. Keep up the good work, Chris. And we're Bye, back. Angel. We're back with more right after this. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? 
at the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP. We focus on next practices, and that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. Leading the way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies, from Amazon to Boeing, and REI to 3M, to not only discover the best people practices of performance or performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Here are your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. All right, welcome back to Leading the Way. I'm here with Scott Murray, and it's time for our Insights segment. We have with us I4CP co-founder Jay Jamrock. Hello, Jay, and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Jay. Uh, yeah, same to you, and uh, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, glad you're here. Well, uh, Chris Brown certainly was uh, so interesting in hearing about that uh, organization. Uh, so what did you think about what Chris had to say about the corporations and their unwillingness to participate in programs like this? Well, it's kind of dumbfounding. I would have thought that would have been a natural. I mean, they corporations tend to give a lot of different benefits to employees, from a tuition assistance to health care to sometimes child care to all kinds of different assistance to employees. But they fail sometimes, I, I think, from my opinion, to really look at how to give emotional assistance to employees. And one of the things they can do, which was so easy, is to take moms and dads who are in single-parent kind of environments and give them that emotional support and help on how to be better parents. It pays off so much, like Chris said, in just leadership behavior just the productivity and every and peace of mind that people would have when they come to work. So they're not burdened with a, a lot of these emotional things that uh, tend to hold back productivity. And where do you institute for corporate productivity? So mm -hmm. you know that when people bring this baggage to work, it affects their productivity. It affects their performance. Why can it not? Um, it, it just it just seems to be a no-brainer there, but I don't understand it. So they say a happy yeah. wife is a happy yeah. life. So I think a happy dad is a, is is not a, a fad. Yeah, it's, it's, a, huge, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a good it's thing too. <laughs> I, I couldn't think that. No, it's, I, just, I, it's just it's just emotional support yeah. that you know people need today because we're inundated by so much that's happening inside. Just to have know that I can be a better father, and here's a counseling I can have maybe as a corporate benefit to be a better father, because I know I'll be a better employee if I'm a better father. The data shows it. Yep, absolutely. Well, we've just got a couple of minutes left here, Jay. Let me ask you this, though. What are some of the key differences between a business-to-business -business and a business-to-consumer as it relates to culture and the, and the customer experience? What comes to mind? Yeah, so, you know, I tend to, I had a not-for-profit that I ran for years and years, and uh, it was more of a business-to-business, -business, and it was both consumer and business-to-business. -business. So um, Chris said something very interesting that George Odeon said to me. George Odeon was the father of management by objectives, and he said once there's no difference between a for-profit and a not-for-profit. The only difference with a non-for-profit, it tends to have a more of a passion for what they do, so they, it's easier to motivate employees. 
Uh, every company has to make money, has to find a way to make money. And I, you listen to Chris's journey from when they first started out to their business model today. And he has been always just refining his uh, business model to be more impactful and disruptive for what he wants to accomplish and the changes he wants in society. So uh, I expect if you interview Chris five years from now, he will actually probably have a slightly very different variation on the model because I think he's very innovative and creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, agile. I mean, it just uh, I, I was very yeah, impressed yeah. with that as well. So, uh, well, with about a minute left, Jay, um, you know, how, we know leadership development has a direct impact on engagement, productivity, retention in the workplace, which are also beneficial mm-hmm. in the family dynamic. If you think about it that way, I mean, what are some leadership discoveries that could have uh, the same impact on fathers? Interesting. Uh, When when we did our research, we found that the softer skills today are playing a bigger impact on leadership effectiveness than the harder skills, which are more management skills like project management, communication, things like that. But the like the things like building trust. collaboration, um, you know, being able to be across, uh, communicate across the different boundaries in an organization, that lends itself also to fatherhood. Uh, How can you build trust with your children? Uh, How can you build collaboration inside the family and outside the family with the family union? How can you really lead across the different boundaries? And boundaries, by the way, can be um, not just silos in an organization, but personal boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, like cultural boundaries, diversity boundaries, et cetera. How can you lead across those boundaries to be a good father? So th- they are transferable because we're seeing in the business world these softer skills are becoming much more important for good leadership at all levels in the organization for effective leadership today. It doesn't mean that the hard skills are, are still not important. They are. They're the foundation. But building on those, how can you build the uh, trust, the empathy, the, uh, you know, the collaboration across boundaries is becoming, uh, Kevin uh, Martin, who's the head of research at I4C, he always called us the boundaryless leaders. Mm-hmm. And I always had trouble with uh, that term until we had a, a sit down and um, he actually explained what he was talking about. It makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense for fatherhood, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, developing those uh, soft skills in our children so they grow up to be just more right. balanced adults. Well, Jay Jamrog, we so appreciate you every week. We can talk to you forever. We appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge. And, again, happy Father's Day to you. Well, thank you. Yep, happy Father's Day, Jay. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And as we always remind all of you, you, live your legacy by leading the way. Till next Sunday on this happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you all. I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. Have a great week, everybody.